Hi, I'm Jay Robinson and you're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Hello and welcome to the NL Full-Time Podcast. I'm Rob Worrell. It's normally Luke in the chair. He will be joining us in a minute because we've got uh, regular pundit Dickie Wharton there. Good morning, Dickie. Good morning. Good to see you. And clean shaven, got... Rob. I know that, 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 that's lost on audio for people, but yeah, a bit of a different look for you. It is. I started fanning around, trying to trim my beard. I don't know if we can use fanning around, can we? I'll let Luke so that. I'll, I'll do another one just in case. I started messing around, trying to trim my beard, and I thought, oh, to hell with this. It's easier just to whip it all off. So uh, thank you for noticing, Dickie. I didn't think anybody would. <laughs> anyway, never mind all that. We've got footballing royalty on the podcast this morning. It's a while since he's joined us, uh, but uh, great to see you and to hear from you as always. Neil Smudger-Smith, good morning. Good morning, guys. Hope you're all well. Yeah, keeping well. Another exciting day uh, across the three national leagues on Saturday. And where else can we uh, get started other than James Rose Chesterfield, who plonked themselves on top a couple of weeks ago and, they, and they've and they remained there firmly. 2-0 win at Solihull Moors on Saturday. Um, possibly their, their, their three points got a little bit easier when Kyle Storer, who's an influential uh, player and skipper for mm. Solihull Moors, was sent off in the first half, um, which is when Chesterfield went on to punish him smudger uh, with a couple of goals from, from Whittle and Shimanga. And you probably know where I'm going to go with this. 16 goals in 16 games. Kabongo Shimanga, tell us about him. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I think it's a great signing from Chesterfield, and I think it made a, a massive statement um, as soon as he was. Uh, it was out there in the press that he was going to Chesterfield. I think it was a, a statement of intent, and he's repaying them. You know, he's scoring regular. He's, he's a you know when we whenever we played against him, he's a tough character. He might not do much for about ten or fifteen minutes, and then he just comes alive in and around the box. And uh, as I say, I think James Rowe has, has, has made a, a great acquisition there for where they want to go, and that's obviously getting promotion. And Solihull Moors, it was a bad day at the office for them. It always is if you get a player sent off in the first half, particularly your captain. But uh, they've been going nicely under Neil Ardley. And uh, although he lost out on his big return to Notts County the week before, he'll be pleased with the job he's doing there so far. Oh, definitely. You know, they've got a great board of directors there, a good owner. They want to bring the club into the community. Uh, in Neil Ardley, you've got the experience of, of managing at a top, top club like Notts County and being in the league. Um, you know, they, they and they did. They had a tough game, obviously midweek in the FA Cup as well, where they were very, very close. So, you know, another, to go straight into another tough game on the Saturday um, was always going to be an ask against an informed Chesterfield. But as you say, when you lose your skipper, who is influential, he's a very good player as well. It was always going to be an uphill battle. And Dickie, am, am I right in thinking you were at that game in midweek at Solihull in the FA Cup? You are indeed. Yeah, I went and I, I thought Solihull were, were excellent. I thought for the for the ninety minutes of of normal time, I thought it was really hard to actually tell which was the League One side and which was the National League side. I thought they acquitted themselves really, really well. I think it was just the first fifteen minutes of of extra time where it slipped away from really. I think um, Wigan just were getting balls into the box so regularly that you thought one of these is going to go in eventually, um, and it did from a free kick. Um, Callum Lang. Um, headed Wigan ahead but I think Solihull can reflect really well you know going and get a goalie's draw away at Wigan was a terrific result and 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 they almost did it you know if they could have just hung on in the extra time and maybe taken it to a penalty shootout we don't know but they did 
they did tire a little bit. Um, I know uh, I get a sense that Neil Ardley does sort of like ro- rotate his squad around a little bit that he doesn't, you know, if they have midweek fixtures, it's not always the same players who feature on the weekend. I think there's a few in, in the lineup who actually did play um, in midweek yesterday. So maybe um, a few injuries and whatever meant they didn't have to do that. And as you say, you have a man sent off. The last team you want to have a man sent off against is the league leaders, isn't it? And and ultimately, they paid the price for it. Yeah, they certainly did, Dickie. And, uh, you know, it, it when, when you've gone to extra time in midweek, and then you lose your skipper in the first half. Uh, I, I guess Neil Ardley would have found out a little bit about his boys yesterday. They did, to their credit, 2-0 down at half-time with 10 men. They they uh, came out and got a goalless second half, which is exactly what uh, Neil Ardley would have been, been looking for from them. Just behind Chesterfield, a point behind, 34 uh, points off 16 games of Boreham Wurdu. Often keep the clean sheet smudger, um, but yeah. they, uh, they got it going at the other end yesterday. Um, we, we, we know well about the likes of Josh Reese and Jacob Mendy who weighed in, but Scotty Bowden, difficult shirt to fill, different type of forward, different type of player, but you know what? Boreham would sit a point off the top of the league and he's creeping towards double figures already. Uh, and, and he was a safe pair of hands, if you like, for, for Luke Garrard, wasn't he? Until maybe he can, he can bring someone else in. Yeah, you know, Luke Luke builds from the back. He makes sure they're very solid, you know, you know, with the with the three at the back. He um they're very, very hard to break down. They've got, you know, good midfield in Josh Reese, you've got a goal scoring midfielder as well that you know I know really well and uh, he's a great guy to have because when you do need a goal and the striker's maybe not pulling in, he'll pull it, he'll pull you in a goal. But Bodum is a way player. You know, he's not going to be looking into getting behind. He's not going to be, you know, chasing him behind and, and, and for the ball over the top. But in and around the box, he does know how to finish and he just seems to be hitting form um at the right time. And I think that's Boreham Wood getting used to his play and, and he's getting used to Boreham Wood's play. But, you know, Luke Garrard's done a great job there over a consistent amount of, amount of years and, um, you know, hopefully he'll get his chance this year to really push on. So Friday night, we've got a little National League treat on BT Sport. I must admit it worked out good for me. I thoroughly enjoyed um, being able to sit at home and watch that. It wasn't the greatest of games, to be honest with you. But Grimsby, very, very importantly, having started this season firing on all cylinders, uh, and then suddenly the buffers have come off, uh, defeating the FA Cup, three consecutive National League defeats, and they found a way to beat uh, Southend at 1-0, uh, and that would have felt like a huge three points to Paul Hurst, even if it wasn't that impressive. No, I, I think if he said it, you know, it wasn't, you know, Southend are, are obviously fighting for their lives as well, so, you know, because they're where they are in the league, they've got new management, they're all looking to impress as well and, and, and get onto the front foot so it was going to be a tough game for Grimsby and I think there's a lot of expectation levels and we've seen the clubs that sometimes come down the expectation levels are they just go straight back up but you know that's not that's not he's been in the division he knows the division obviously before, you know we've taken them up the, the last time they were down here but um, you know they were taken to the wire and it may not be a classic but he needed that win uh, Paul um, just to stop the rot and, and, and get back onto you know finding that consistency with his team Great stuff there for Grimsby so they're in third place and uh then we come to your old uh, your old lot, Bromley, and and you know I've got to say on Saturday they did exactly what they did to Aldershot, they did to Kings Lynn twice. They were behind, got themselves back in the game, cheeky on target with a couple of goals, and James Alabi, and and went on to win the game three two. And Bromley are, are proving uh, that they can deal with all kind of tests, aren't they? And uh, I know still a lot of the boys there that were there when you were there. Um, and, and, and credit to Andy Woodman as well. Of course, he's come in 
and he's worked with those. He's brought his own players in as well. And uh, he's, he's going along nicely, Neil, isn't he? Yeah, they are. They're doing really well. You know, um, I think they're 11 games unbeaten in the league, which is a, a hell of a uh, feat in that division um, against top and bottom as well. You know, they've had some great results against the top teams as well as, you know, the, obviously the teams that they're, they're, they're so-called expected to win. But yesterday, obviously, Kingsley scared them a little bit going, you know, 1-0 up, then 2-1 up. But with the likes of Cheeky in the side, you, you're going to get goals. A bit like Bowden going in at Borenwood, you know, I think. Uh, the best thing I did for you know while I was there was bringing in someone like Cheeky. He's, he's renowned in that division. He's a he's a proven goal scorer. I think he's gone a couple of games without a goal, but you know it's never going to be too long before he gets on the score sheet as well. And um, you know when when you need someone like that, he'll he'll come up trumps. He is like the ice man. You know he, ne- he never flusters. He wouldn't have been panicking that maybe he hadn't have scored. But yeah, that's a that's a great result um, from obviously being you know as I say one nil down and two one down to come back and then win it three two. Uh, as, as you say, sometimes you just need that result just to kick on again. So I think they've got a tough game coming up in the, as uh, their next league game. Yeah, so Bromley sit fourth. So those four teams, Chesterfield, Borenwood, Grimsby and Bromley, they're on 35, 34, 32 and 31 points and sitting nicely behind them, as he loves to do, just about under the radar, Pete Wilde and Halifax Town. I'll come to you on this one, Dickie. Uh, a couple of goals for Billy Waters yesterday in uh, what ultimately proved to be a 3-1 win at Dover. You've got a feel for Dover in so many ways that, that you know, that almost the, the, the impossible task that they're up against. And they got themselves level on 77 minutes through Ben Williamson. But um, ultimately, as has happened a lot recently with Dover, they've been in games until around about the hour mark just beyond. Uh, and then Halifax took it away from them late on. Yeah, they, they say it's the hope that kills you, don't they? And, and I think, it, you know, for Dover yesterday, getting that leveller close to the end of the game, you know, as a minimum, they might have felt, you know, we need to yeah, hang on, you know, we'll get ourselves a point here. And who knows, you know, when when you score that late on a game, having been behind, you you perhaps feel that you might have a chance of going on and taking all three. But but yeah, um, Halifax took it away from them late on. Waters got his second goal of the game. Um, and there's a goal from Kieran Green as well, I think. And again, we look at it, it's not an unexpected result. Halifax are going tremendously well, particularly at home. Um, but, you know, Dover have picked up a few points at home. But, uh, yeah, it's just really hard going for them at the moment, isn't it? And the, the gap between them and the, and that magical, you know, one place above the drop zone just seems to be getting bigger and bigger week after week 20 points right now 20 points and 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 we're we're a third of the way into the season so it's looking it's looking forlorn i think um i guess um smudger dover have got to set themselves some different sites i suppose maybe a game at a time a month at a time look to see what they can build i mean to some extent if he's intending to stay at dover hess has got to start thinking ahead hasn't he yeah, I think as a club, they will. You know, I, I know Hess really well and, and Hess will still believe he can do it. You know, he's that type of character that he, he'll never give it up until it's too late. But, you know, they are part-time. You know, they only do the two nights a week. So the two late goals, you know, you're fighting against a losing battle anyway when, you, you know, you're playing against these teams that are full-time now, you know, and a team like Halifax that are up there as well. So when you get that equaliser in the 77th minute, you think, right, let's just hold on. But, that extra bit of training that Halifax have got, you know, maybe the subs that they can bring on, you know, I know Hess, I think he's, he's down to his bare bones as well. And, you know, you're calling upon, upon people that, you know, this league's gone up, up a few notches, you know, with the clubs that are in there, you, you can't be carrying injuries. You can't be having players that are out or, 
you know, training two nights a week, it's, it's always going to be tough. But yeah, as a club, you've got to, got to look, look to think that if we do go down, how are we going to do it next season? You know, what we're going to do, who will be around, what players, what teams that we're going to be coming up against and start planning for that battle. But I, I don't believe Hess will. I think Hess will still be believing he can do it. And I know, he, he, you know, I speak to him regularly and he'll be committed to that club until, until he's not there um, trying to do his best to keep that club up. Yeah, fantastic servant uh, to the club, Andy Hessenthaler. Full credit to him for not walking away. Uh, through these difficult times uh, at the Crabble. Next up in the top seven, Notts County uh, and Dagenham. Both losers, both still in the top seven. Um, but let's flip that on Notts County. They've had uh, a great few weeks. They've had a great run. Uh, but 2 nil win, massive for Strebs yesterday uh, for Eastleigh um, Smudger. And it sounds like a bit of a uh, Devil Boy thing, doesn't it? Barnet and Boise got the goals. Barnet and Boise. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know Strebs really, really well. And, um, you know, again, they just missed out last year in the playoffs. And, it, you know, he, he wanted to get in there. Um, but you're coming up against a Notts County, again, that did, did well in the FA Cup, you know, just missed out again, um, proving how strong this division is. So for Eastleigh to go and beat Notts County at home would have been a massive result for Strebs. And, you know, you've got two big boys up front uh, that are going to be physical and if, if, you, if your defenders aren't up for it they're, they're going to put you under a lot of pressure In the middle of the table there Eastley are on 21 points five off the playoffs so they're 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 close enough to, to keep in touch but uh, another side that had a wretched day at home a wretched day at the office at home yesterday uh, with Dagenham and Redbridge they get Paul McCallum back and unfortunately for them he gives uh, Yeovil the lead with an own goal and then Elliot Johnson sent off in the first half again Yeovil hung on for the 1-0. Precious three points for them. And uh, for Daggers, one of those days, probably uh, Smudger, where um, Daryl McMahon will say, well, let's move on quickly and on to the next game. Yeah, Daryl again, you know, at Dagenham, they've got uh, you know some, some fantastic players. They've had some fantastic results. You know, we've got a great forward line, you know, when McCallum's back, Melanta in there as well. And, you know, they're always going to put you under pressure. So, someone like Yovi will go and get a result there. You know, Dale Sewell's done it. That's a great result for them. Um, and again, they just seem to be picking up points very quietly, just going about their business, not shouting from the rooftops. Um, so, you know, that would have been a tough game anyway. But again, to lose a player, score an own goal, it's always going to be an uphill uh, struggle against a side that, you know, just seem to be... Um, as I say, picking up a bit of form over, you know, this coming into the Christmas period when sometimes that, that form takes you into the playoffs or just around it for you to carry on for the rest of the season. Wrexham, I think, I I think them being held by Wildstone yesterday, I wouldn't often say it about a draw, but for me, I think that might be just the result of the day there for Wildstone. Uh, sort of about go to uh, go to the race course ground and fight that point. They certainly did yellow, uh, five yellow cards for, for Wildstone, but... Um, <laughs> Wrexham not quite firing, are they, week in, week out? But let's give credit also to uh, to Wildstone. That's a, a huge point for them. Every point counts. Again, a team like Wildstone to go to Wrexham, that, you know, the atmosphere at the moment is buzzing. You know, we're, we're, I don't know what the crowd is, but I think they've been getting 8,000 supporters. You know, obviously, with everything that goes with playing against the Wrexham side, to go there and get a nil-nil draw, I agree with you, Rob. I, I saw that as one of the results of the day. Um, because Wrexham, if they do get that goal, been scoring fives and fours. They've got so many players in that team that can score. And if you're on the back foot, they will they will 
be clinical and they will punish you. So for Wheelstone to withstand that, and I can only imagine that atmosphere. I don't know how many Wheelstone supporters would have been there, um, but I'd, I'd have been very, you know, you'd have been struggling to have heard them over a, a, a team like Wrexham supporters at the moment. So I, I agree with you. I think that's, that's the result of the day. I mean, yeah, Wrexham had a couple of thumping away wins leading into that one. Uh, one of them, which we won't talk about, Rob, but then obviously there was the 6-2 at, at Kings Lynn last week. So 11 goals. You know, I can imagine the expectation for the home fans yesterday was, you know, we're potentially going to see another hatful here today. Um, and maybe that expectation plays a, a bit of a part, really. You know, it, it, it also has got to be a motivator for Wheelston to, to go there. You know, you think, well everybody's expecting us not to get anything today, but they go out there, absolutely lay everything on the line um, and get a hard-earned point. I, I did I did read some credit. Actually, a, a Wrexham fan said, as much as Wheelston only had a couple of hundred fans here, he said they were the loudest group of fans we've, we've had here all season, which suggests that perhaps the Wrexham crowd were a little bit quietened by what they were seeing, that, you know, it wasn't what they were expecting. Um and and Wilson got right behind their team, backed them all the way and came away with a point. Yeah, terrific point there for Wildstone. Stockport, like Wrexham, underachieving a little bit outside of the playoffs, but close enough, close enough, I think, to keep uh, their supporters and their board uh, engaged at this stage. But two Paddy Madden goals uh, gave Stockport a win. They're in the first half, uh, woken under Dows. They, they did uh, pull one back through Tarvin Campbell, who can't stop uh, scoring at the moment. At the bottom end, one team that has had the new manager bounce, uh, Smudger, is Barnett. They picked up two points a game under Dean Brennan since he's dropped down from uh, head of football to, to manage the side. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago after the victory over all the shot. He's absolutely loving it. Um, and do you know what? For the first time probably this season, Barnett can stop looking over their shoulder because they're, uh, they're eight ahead of safety. Yeah, I think he's done a great job. I think Bassey, obviously, at the end of last season, um, did a fantastic job as well, you know, going in there and organising it. Obviously, Dean come in, um, obviously, with Harry Kuehl. Didn't work out for whatever reason. He's taken over and he's doing a fantastic job. And I think, you know, you, you couldn't ask any more from him. I think he's uh, he, he, did, he was doing a great job at Wheelstone as well with limited funds and, you know, in the training side. So he's now at a full-time club. You know, the facilities they've got at Barnet, you know, you, you, you do wonder why they are so, you know, always consistently struggling. But he's come in there, he's steadied the ship and he's getting results and you can't you can't take anything away against, you know, I feel, I feel for Torquay, you know, I, I, at the end of last season, obviously missing out in the playoff final the way they did. And I think it's just, it's, it's been hard for them to find that, that bit of form. Um, you know, Gary Johnson was scoring late goals at the end of last season and they don't even seem to be finding that at the moment. So, um, Torquay, big club again, and for a club like Barnet to beat them, uh, I think it's a fantastic result. Yeah, and that win takes Barnet above Torquay United now uh, into fifteenth place. And uh, Smudge, you and I will get to see uh, Torquay firsthand on Tuesday night. And Neil's going to very kindly come and uh, be guest summariser for the BBC Radio Surrey Sport commentary of Aldershot against Torquay. One other game to mention. Uh, Altrincham really purring at the moment. Uh, uh, well, they've had a couple of little blips, but under uh, Aymouth yesterday, two goals for Ryan Colclough, two for Matty Cozzillo, two winning ways for Altrincham. Uh, and they're another one of those 23 points, uh, three off the uh, playoffs. Altrincham. 
Yeah, I think Aldringham is starting to get back um, a few of the players that they've had missing through injury um, lately. And, and when we saw them a few weeks ago, that they were down to the bare bones for that that TV clash that was against Solihull Moors. And there was even that suggestion that, that they'd wanted not to go ahead and, and still went ahead with the game. They are getting players back. Ryan Colclough's an important player for, for them. Um, a couple of goals from him yesterday. Um, uh, helped by red card in the first half. Um Tom Bearwish being dismissed for Weymouth, which which uh, which doesn't help. Um, but yeah, M- Matty Casilo with with two goals in the second half as well, really sort of like took it away from them. Um, and that, it's a you know it's a it's a great win for Phil Parkinson's men. So that's the games at the weekend, Smudger. But looking at that bottom end of the table, um, twenty three clubs in, uh, three will go down. I think for the purposes of this. And I know, I know you said Hess will keep fighting, but 20 points off, it's looking difficult for them. Those other teams are probably looking at the table and thinking we've got to get above at least two others other than Dover. Um, what do you think of the fight there at the bottom? Um, how many clubs are in it as you look at the table, would you say, at this stage? I, I think you're looking from probably Torquay, Wildstone, Weymouth, Maidenhead, you know, South End, Aldershot, Kingsland. And I think any one of those clubs could have a run like Barnet and put a few runs together and be in that mid-table and that, that little bit of security. But I think Maidenhead, you know, I know, I know. obviously, Devs will, you know, it'll be, it'll be disappointed at the moment because they've had a bad little run, especially after beating Woking a few weeks ago and, and, and looking like they've turned it around. But again, you know, they're just slipping down that table. South End, obviously, with the new management, um, there's three of them, three coaches that have sort of got to get to know each other and get to know the players. And to get results. So that was always going to be a tough one. Last Tuesday um, gives them that little bit of a lifeline. Kings Lynn are going to need a few results. And obviously going so close to getting a point away at Bromley the other day might give them a little bit of lift. But these clubs need to put runs together. Otherwise, you can get sucked in now. I think the Eastleys and the Yeovils have got enough to sort of pull away from it. But I think probably from mm. Torquay Barnet down, um, any one of those clubs, if they don't put a run together, could be dragged into it. But, they're you know, God willing and, and, and Dover and, and Hess, and I think it's brilliant. But yeah, 20 points to just to be in and around those players is, is going to be a, a tough ask. So you're looking at two from probably six, seven. Good stuff. We tend to agree with that as well. Uh, we've been joined by Luke. Morning, Luke. Morning. <laughs> I've been sat in <laughs> listening intently to your to the podcast. It's been very good listening. Yeah, punishment. We stuck him in the corner of the room for half an hour since he kept us waiting early. No, I'm only kidding you. Uh, Luke, you wanted to uh, ask Smudger a little bit about the other end of the table and about the, you know, the pressure that's building, the discussion that seems to be more and more on the table for three up, three down. Yeah, it's been, it's kind of, it kind of appears every so often sporadically, doesn't it? But I know there was, um, Gary Johnson's been vocal about it again, saying, well, there should be three up uh, from the National League and three down from the EFL, but in terms of the AFL, it's like Turkey's voting for Christmas, really, isn't it? They won't, they won't want to lose an extra member club, will they? No, I, look, I, th- I think people call it non-league and I think they get this whole thing about, oh, that it's the level. This level in, in, in Conference National is probably the highest it's been ever. You know, the clubs that are in there at the moment, are, some of them are bigger than the clubs that are in League One and League Two. You know, Stockport County filling out that, that stadium in the FA Cup the other day. You know, you've got your... your you know, your Notts Counties and people like that. And I think the teams that have gone up from the Conference National tend to do really well in the League Two. You know, they're a team that want to go and progress. I think sometimes in League Two, they just want to stay in there. And I think that's the problem. They, they're they not going to vote for themselves to lose another team because they know when they come down, there's no automatic, 
chance of them going straight back up again because the clubs in that division are so are so good. They're, they're well they're well run because they've probably got a smaller budget than than they have in League Two, so they don't spend any more than they have to. And I think when they go up and they get the bigger money for going into the league, they've got that money that that, that can now go and kick on with their squads. But I just I just think you know look at I'm, I'm looking at the league now. You have got Oldham, Carlisle, Scunthorpe, you know all down, all down the bo- down the bottom. There's no way another one's going to vote for themselves to drop down that level because they know how tough it is to get Being back. Famously, but but yeah. I do believe it, it. It should be. It should be done. I think it should be right. It's it's a league now. It's a professional league, uh, Conference National, and there should be more integration with with league, uh, the EFL, as soon as they can. Brilliant stuff. Thank you, uh, Smudger, for, uh, for for joining us again. And I'll see you in a few days' time. I hope you've enjoyed uh, talking all things National League this morning. Loved it. Thank you so much, Rob, as I say. Thanks, Neil. You're a, you're a pleasure. So there's some really encouraging news this week for the National League because the Premier League have increased their funding and how much they're distributing down to the lower levels, which means the National League are going to get a bigger cut of the Premier League cake, if you like. So to tell us all about it, I'm delighted to say we have got the National League's General Manager, Mark Eyes, with us. Hi, Mark. Hi, Luke. How are you keeping? I'm very well, thank you. And it's uh, it's great news, isn't it? I mean, I know that this Premier League funding has been knocking around, but it's it's kind of just been in the background. So to get this boost that you're going to get even more and it's going to be distributed amongst the three divisions as well is, is great news, isn't it? Uh, look, it's fantastic news. It's fantastic news for the league, but even more so, it's fantastic news for the uh, for all 66 clubs of the, uh, of the league, uh, step one and step two. So we're extremely grateful for it. For those that haven't seen it, just tell us uh, in terms of the percentage, how it's going to be split up then. Sure. Well, let's go right the way back to where it comes from. It's part of a, an exclusion order agreement with the government and the Premier League uh, in relation to their renewal of their, their, their broadcasting rights. Uh, it forms part of a, a hundred million pound distribution of which uh, we uh, are very fortunate amongst the league uh, to get an additional uh, five million over the next uh, four seasons, two million immediately, uh, and then an additional one million pounds uh, for the following three seasons. And this is money that we hadn't anticipated; we the, the clubs weren't aware of, uh, and. The, the, the two million pound additional money is to help the, support the clubs uh, in the national league uh, following, although we're still in it, uh, the impact of of COVID. And the board met uh, and and decided that we would we would split that funding, fifty um, percent at step one and fifty percent at uh, step two for this season. So is that a case of, so just to clarify, for the North and South teams, is that sort of 25% for each division then? It is, yeah. Yeah, okay. And and we, I know we've, we've kind of been down that the funding and the distribu- distribution issue in the past. So how much will each club get? Will they all just get an equal amount, a set amount? Or is it, you know, do they have to, will, will they, yeah, so is it based on the, crowds and things like that? No, it's it will be uh, split uh, uh, 50% for step one equally amongst those clubs and then the other 50% equally amongst the step two clubs. Uh, right, okay, yeah, so there can be no sort of complaints from the clubs saying, well, they've got more than us. Uh, I would hope not. Look, this is great <laughs> and I'd, I'd rather focus on uh, the positive side of additional funding that the clubs were not expecting. Oh, absolutely. And 
It's it's fair to say, I mean, you mentioned about COVID. I, th- I think you, you'll be hoping for a, a less hectic year this year, won't you? Yeah, we. It, it's been a, a difficult start. Um, we had a number of games called off even on day one of the season. Uh, we've just uh, realigned our COVID protocols to try and take some of the pressures off of the clubs uh, whilst maintaining the ability for people to attend matches in a safe environment in line with how the EFL works and, and the rest of the uh, rest of the system. So we, over the last couple of weeks, we've had no, uh, and I'm touching wood uh, as I speak, mm. uh, real issues. So uh, we're really confident that we'll see the, the season through this year. And there was a really interesting article in The Athletic about the, the National League and, and the potential. There was a lot around the salary cap. And it was interesting to see some of the smaller clubs in the division, if you like to call them that, Maidenhead and Orangecombe, saying they'd be against it because they want to kind of bloody the noses of the big boys. And it was a really interesting article. Can you give us any update on the salary cap issue? Look, it, it was a really good article. We agreed following uh, the EGM at the start of the season. Uh, that we would form a um, salary cap working group following a, a proposal by by one of the clubs, supported by others. Uh, and we, we've done that. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail as to the, mm. the opening meeting of that. We've held the first meeting. Uh, but what's important is that we we wanted clubs to take part in it, to see what it is that they wanted to get out of it. One of the real key aspects to it, though, Uh, is to ensure financial sustainability of all of our clubs. Uh, And I don't think anybody can argue about having a system in place that ensures our clubs survive. Uh, And we're we're absolutely against that. How that actually manifests itself, it's part of the working group. We're having discussions on it. Mm. Uh, Whether that means a salary cap in the strict meaning of the term salary cap or whether or not that means... uh, even tighter financial uh, regulation than we've already got. What I would say, though, is that the National League, in fairness, uh, way before my time, uh, imposed about seven or eight years ago some quite stringent financial regulation of its own. And uh, during that, uh, those last seven or eight years, we've, um, we've been really successful and had no clubs uh, go into financial uh, into liquidation or anything along those lines. So it has been successful, uh, but can we do more? And we're, we're working with the clubs to see what else is needed. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned about the communication. I know that's something when we spoke to you last time, is, is you want to improve the communication between all the clubs and get get it involved. So is, is this the Mark Ives stamp now on the roll? <laughs> I don't know if it's the Mark Ives stamp on the roll. It's one that I was committed to, to do is to improve the communication, to ensure that we work with clubs, listen to clubs, uh, have have discussions, debates with clubs on on certain issues. There's been a couple of occasions where that's happened uh, in the last few months. Um, the, the league are here for the clubs. Uh, without clubs, we don't have the league. So uh, it's important that we listen to the views right the way across the the league. Uh, that doesn't mean to say everybody gets what they what they want, but what's what we will do is listen to the opinions of everybody. And you've, you've added a couple of new board members as well, haven't you? Again, one of the changes uh, that come to play, and we, 
let's first of all say we've we've got uh, Jack Pierce, who was appointed as as chairman of the league. Uh, we one of the first things Jack and I um, carried out on that appointment was to have a series of meetings with all of the clubs, all sixty six clubs. We had twelve meetings uh, in small groups. Uh, uh, equally, another part of it was um, to increase the representation of the step two clubs. Uh, one of the previous concerns was that the step two clubs were underrepresented. They had uh, two board members. They've now got four, uh, two in the north and two in the south. And we also uh, agreed through the clubs to appoint two completely new independent members with voting rights. And that process has started. And, and finally, just a, a quick question. I, I mentioned it to, I asked it Neil Smith before about the, uh, the three up, three down. It's, it's just another story that's kind of popped up again over the last couple of weeks. And I, I said to Neil, uh, for the EFL, it's almost like Turkey's voting for Christmas. They probably won't want an, to lose an extra member club. What's your thoughts on it from the National League? Is it something you're going to be pushing for now? Well, it, I don't think it's ever gone away. Uh, it's a conversation that had been uh, been had for, for a few years. If you look from a, from an integrity point of view from our side, I, th- I think it makes sense. Uh, most competitions will have three up, three down. Uh, if you look at League Two at the moment, uh, you, you have a situation where you have four up and two down. Uh, mm. it, we have we have two up and three down. Uh, it, I think it. If you reflect the quality of football in the National League, and I, I include Step One in that, Step One and Step Two in that, mm. um, you've only got to look at the FA Cup. Still nine nine teams left in it uh, from the non-league. Uh, and it's a good quality of football, and I think it will just enhance the whole pyramid uh, if we, we we meet three up, three down. It, it is something we're very keen on. Excellent. Well, Mark, thank you very much for joining us and, and for giving up your time to speak to us and also uh, for clarifying a few things for us. Thanks, any time. And we're going to look now at the National League North and South Divisions. We're going to start off with the South first, and... A big win for Dartford. They hadn't won for a while, had they? But they went away and managed to get a 3-2 victory in the end away at Hemel Hempstead. It was it was two goals second. from Tyreek Hyde and Adi Aziz with a penalty. Alfie Chirulli scored both goals for Hemel Hempstead. Yeah, it's a really important um, victory, that one for Steve King's men. They've been, um, they've been in a, a bit of a bad run lately. We did comment on it last week that it... That, that, uh, it sort of coincided, or they they got knocked out of the FA Cup, and then and then been on a bit of a poor run, and and all of a sudden they had teams breathing down their necks. So it was it was really um, vital that they, that they got some points on the board, um, and they did so. They're three points clear of Ebsley, who are on a, a fantastic run at the minute. They're absolutely flying. Ebsley have also got three games in hand on Dartford. They had a massive six 0 win at home to Peter Taylor's Welling. They have been going well, Welling, but uh, they ran into the juggernaut that is Ebsley. Craig Tanner opened the scoring in the first minute. Two goals from Rakesh Bingham before another from Tanner. And then uh, right on half-time, Alfie Egan got a fifth, which meant they were 5-0 up at half-time before Elliot Remain added a sixth. And that is a big win. And for a team with Ebsley's resources and the full-time, that's the sort of result they should be handing out, really, isn't it? 
you would think so and, and i imagine they would probably think so as well i mean it sounds like one of those that i mean it was done and dusted by half time yesterday you get you get to half time with a 5-0 lead um we don't know whether they took their foot off the pedal a little bit or, or welling you know they'll have had peter taylor imploring them at half time i'm sure to you know just play for some pride in the second half they did only concede the the, the one second half goal to, to to you know make it 6-0 um but yeah, that's a that's a, a really it's a we talk about statements of intent all the time, don't we, with Ebbsfleet? But but that's a big marker, you know that that, that that's a a good a, a big score against a team who have been improving in Welling as well. I mean, they've just got to get back on the horse next week and keep going. But they've they've moved away from the bottom um, in the last few weeks. Yeah, staying in third place it is. Oxford City, they beat Dulwich Hamlet by two goals to nil. Joe Yakafano and Kenise Carroll with the two goals there for Oxford City, who again, are, I don't know if they're a surprise package now because they have kind of been consistently in and around the top 10 for the last season or two now, haven't they? Yeah, I think they have, you know, and I think, um, you know, they, they lost um, uh, James Roberts to uh, Hamilton Waterlooville in, in the summer. Um, he was a big player for them, but that doesn't seem to have affected them too much. And, and yeah, third in the table. I think Oxford City are, are uh, uh, contenders. You know, I'm not sort of necessarily saying for the title, but I think they were, certainly would have been a, 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 a fairly safe bet for the playoffs before the season started. I don't think they had the, the best of starts, but you know, they're starting to put that behind them now. And um, yeah, they're up to third. Yeah, Hungerford going well as well. This season, they're in fifth place. They took on St Albans, who were initially Dartford's biggest challengers. But since their FA Cup win, they've not won. Although Sean Jeffers is still scoring. He opened the scoring again on Saturday, but they were pegged back in the end by three goals to one. Ryan Seeger, another guy who's in really good goal-scoring form. He got the equaliser before they took off in the second half. Hungerford, Jake Evans got the second goal and George Smith added a third. So Hungerford doing really, really well, but St Albans just hit the buffers a little bit. They appear to have, yeah. I mean, we don't know uh, whether that's a little bit of their FA Cup exploits that's affecting them. You know, I'm sure there's a huge buzz around St Albans with the, with their you know victory in the FA Cup that was televised just a couple of weeks ago. You get a lot of attention that comes with that, uh, absolutely. But they were so well placed in the league. They had a couple of games in hand on Dartford and, and, and we're not that far behind them. And they've lost a little bit of that advantage now. They lost 4-3 um, to Dulwich Hamlet and that was uh, a surprising result, although it took Dulwich up to second at the time. Um, but yeah, let's not take away, you know, the, the credit from Hungerford Town there. That That's a, another really, really good result for them. Um St Albans, yeah, they've got a couple of weeks to go until their big day, and I'm sure Ian Allenson will will want to see them get some of their league form back soon. Haven't our joint fifth? They're behind Hungerford on goal difference. They had a two 0 win at Braintree. A bit of a, a stuttery, inconsistent for Haven't again this season. They've had a couple of draws, although they are unbeaten in their last five. But they did get a two 0 win away at Braintree, thanks to goals from. Thanks to two goals from Tommy Wright. So Paul Doswell will be, be really happy with that, won't they? And they're just kind of they're just in that pack now, aren't they? Just surveying what's going on, I think. Yeah, they're, they're quite good they're surveying there and Paul Doswell. I like that one. <laughs> um no, they yeah, I mean they're staying in touch, which I think, you know, if if you're not absolutely um firing 
that I think just staying in touch is important and, and haven't are, are doing that. They're a, you know, they are contenders. They're a big team in this division. They're a team that we always kind of expect to to go well, probably because of Paul Doswell and what he's achieved at, at Sutton uh, and, the, and the way that we know he goes about things. Um, you know, they're in contention. They're, they're, they're in and around uh, the business end of where they want to be. Um, but it, it's been there much later in the season that counts ultimately. Yeah, Hampton are in that final playoff spot. They went to Billy Ricky, toughed it out in the end. Jake Gray's goal on 61 minutes gave them the three points. And uh, Tom will be happy. Gary McCann will be happy. And they're back in the playoff places. Yeah, they will. There'll be, there'll be smalls around there. I mean, uh, Billy Ricky, their situation is, is I'm not going to say desperate, but it, you know, it's not looking great from at the moment. They are bottom just seven points from 14 matches. But I think on that basis, the, the, the very least that any team going to Billy Ricky can expect is to have to, you know, put up a fight, you know, because Billy Ricky are absolutely scrapping for their lives down there. Um, so to come away with a 1-0 win, you know, I'm sure is fairly satisfactory for Hampton, yeah. Yeah, Billy Ricky on seven points, marooned at the bottom there, three points behind Braintree currently. But obviously one win will leapfrog them. Uh, out of that relegation zone. Uh, down there, though, surprisingly as well, just maybe looking over the shoulders, uh, Chelmsford City. They drew 1-1 with Tunbridge in the end. They did have to get an equaliser from Simeon Jackson on 61 minutes to rescue them a point there. And Chelmsford are maybe a little bit underwhelming this season. There's always quite a good article in there from the uh, the chief executive in the non-league paper, isn't it? Just explaining sort of the process of running a football club. But there may be some pressure on uh, on the board and Robbie Simpson there at the minute. Yeah, you would expect so. You know, it's not where they would um, want to be. And, and 19th against 18th, ultimately, that, that game yesterday. You know, Tunbridge Angels towards the foot of the, the table. That's not maybe a, a great surprise. But Chelmsford, you would expect better. You know, we... we They've, you know, they've got a, a, a decent-sized catchment area there in terms of like the support they can attract. Um, that they would expect to be doing better. So yeah, uh, it's, um, you know, uh, I'm not saying that anybody's job is under threat there or anything like that, but certainly the board will be looking for improvements. I would think. Yeah, a couple of mid-table battles: Bath City against Concord. Uh, goal, goals from Jordan Dyer and Cody Cook. Uh, saw the three points there for Bath City, either side of a penalty for Concord, scored by Danny Green. Uh, Eastbourne Borough, they beat Slough by three goals to one. It was a good day for Charlie Kendall. He got a hat-trick to see off Slough in the end uh, before a late consolation there from Ben Harris for Slough. I think that's that's a good result for Bath to to rebound from um, their midweek defeat. They lost three one at home in midweek to to Hampton and Richmond. So um, yeah, I'm sure Jerry Gill will be pleased that they've rebounded from that by collecting all three points yesterday. Maidstone, they've had a tough season this season. Again, a team that's slightly underwhelmed, but they managed to beat Chippenham by a goal to nil thanks to a one Luke penalty. So we're going to move on and look at the National League North now and in the National League North uh, you saw the league leaders didn't you Dickie at Telford filed? I did indeed yeah um, filed with the visitors to Telford yesterday and uh, ultimately they came away with what I imagine most people expected they would which was all three points. 
credit to Telford in this respect. They did make Foyle work hard for it. They took a ninth-minute lead through Jason Oswell. Um, it took a Joe Piggott equaliser right on the stroke of half-time from a Nick Horton free kick to get them level. Piggott then scored again early in the second half, turning home an effort from close range. Um, and from then on, you would say that... Um, yeah, he was uh, foiled with a with a stronger team for the, the the remainder of the game. They didn't get any more goals to make the game completely safe. Um, Telford dropped to twenty second in the table on the basis of that. But yeah, foiled stay top. So Dickie, despite the defeat for Telford, there was some. There's been some good news. Finally, they have a manager. Rejoice. Yeah, they have. I think um, uh, there were uh, moves have been afoot for uh, a little while. I think. Um, and uh, yeah, we after the game, Dennis Green's um, almost challenged to the chairman, as it were, to either make the the job permanent or let him go because he felt his hands were tied. Yeah, about an hour after the game yesterday, we heard that uh, Paul Carden, the Warrington Town Manager's name, was being linked with the role that that Warrington had uh, granted permission to a club to speak to him. Um, that club has turned out to be Telford because he's. Um, been appointed to the role today and he's brought uh, Carl Baker with him as assistant who's been playing at uh, Nuneaton Borough. It's an interesting one because obviously Carl Baker wasn't Paul Carden's assistant at Warrington but he does know that the Midlands and the North West seeing well. Yes, I would imagine that he does, you know, with his, his time up in the North West but also in the Midlands as well. I think Paul Carden being more North West based means that on the face of it, I look and think that Telford are actually able to cover two areas in terms of sort of like the network of contacts they've got, whether that's, you know, as regards scouting or, or um, you know, looking at players. So it perhaps widens their net a little bit further. Um, and yeah, I think Carl Baker is somebody who's got a good, um, he had a good career in the game and I think he enjoys a good name and reputation and obviously has a lot of popular support amongst people who know him. In second place, Brackley, they could only draw nil-nil against Curzon Ashton. Normally you'd say, is that two points dropped for Brackley? But you look at how Curzon are going this year and maybe it could be a good point in the end. Yeah, quite possibly so. I mean, he was second against fifth going into the game yesterday. Um, it's another clean sheet for Brackley, which is, you know, fantastic for them. 10 clean sheets in 14 matches this season for Danny Lewis behind that Brackley Town defence, which is just exceptional. But yeah, they were kept off the score sheet too yesterday. It didn't sound like they had the best of luck um, in front of goal. But, you know, that's another really good result for Kurz Nashton. They're unbeaten since Adam Lakeland took over as manager with a win and two draws. They do drop a place on the on the basis of only picking up that that one point and, and Brackley drop a couple of points behind Fylde, but they do importantly have a game in hand on Fylde. Yeah, Charlie are up in third place. Uh, they drew 2-2 at Boston United in the end. Uh, Paul Green opened the scoring for Boston in 35 minutes. Uh, Willem Tollinson equalised for Harry Cardwell, put them ahead, but it was a last gasp equaliser from one of the Jake Wrights. <laughs> Yes, it was the uh, Jake Wright Jr., as they refer to him. They're, they're not related, but it was uh, the younger of the two who equalised, uh, heading in a Matt total cross deep in injury time. And that secured Boston their first draw of the season. It's either been wins or losses for Craig Elliott's men so far. They've played 14 matches and that's their first draw. Um, they drop a place to eighth in the table. Chorley staying third. Chorley did have a midweek win against Kettering Town as well, winning 3-1. So their run, um, their 
starting to build another run again after going a lot of games unbeaten um, before losing at Hereford recently. Kidderminster, really strong win away for them at Alfreton, who've been in good form. Yeah, they have at Alfreton. I think before their result last week, I think they they'd they had a seven-game unbeaten run, which which ended last week. Um, Billy Heath would have been looking for them to to you know bounce back from that, but they they came up against one of the informed sides yesterday in Kidderminster Harriers, and Kidderminster had basically taken the game away from them by half time. Um, Harriers were fourth at the start of the day. They 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 finished the day fourth as well. They were three nil up. In 40 minutes, Sam Austin opened the scoring, added a second from close range uh, half an hour later. And Amari Sterling, he likes a shot from distance. He got one from 30 yards to make it 3-0 after 40 minutes. Connor Branson pulled a goal back before half-time. But a, a former Alfredton player, Amari Morgan-Smith, added the fourth for Kidderminster in the 53rd minute. And it, and it sounds as if... I'm not going to say stroll because I don't think a Billy Heath team ever let you stroll to a victory. But that that's... Uh, it, it, the, the, the margin of victory and the level of comfort, I think, that Kidminster Harriers have enjoyed there um, it should mark them out. Uh, it gives out a bit of a warning to other teams in this league, certainly. Well, in midweek, I went to see Gateshead's replay at Aldingham and Gateshead were absolutely brilliant. They put Aldingham to the sword, beat them by three goals to two. And uh, they won it in a very last minute through Macaulay Langstaff. So we'll hear from him shortly. But first, it, is a, it was a delighted Gateshead manager, Mike Williamson. So, Mike, you've, uh, you've played at the highest level in the Premier League. Where does that victory rank tonight? Right up there. Um, you know, the circumstances we've done it at is over two legs against a very good National League team. And um, I feel like uh, proud, very proud of the boys. They, they really deserve that. Yeah, you came in, you looked so confident. You're on the front foot from the start, weren't you? We have to be, yeah, that's the way we play. It's regardless of uh, who we come up against, uh, we have to play like that. And if, if we don't, if we come away from who we are and what we are, then we'll be, we'll be miles off it. So it's about making sure we focus on ourselves and, and that's what we do. And what was impressive as well, you had two knockbacks, didn't you? Especially the first half, you were so comfortable, goalkeeper made a mistake, but you responded so well each time. Yeah, yeah, all part of it. Like I say, um, you know, on our day, we, we can give anyone a game, we can cause problems for, for any team. But like I say, it's how, how we deal with setbacks and that resilience really shone through today. We had to show really grit and determination to not, not drop our heads, and, and that's what we did. Yeah, £60,000 rich. I suppose you've got to keep the players' feet in the ground now. Big game on TV if, uh, against Charlton now, two weeks Friday. Yes, yeah. But like I say, I think. We'll enjoy the, the coach ride home, but then we've got a big derby on Saturday. So, you know, it's all focused on that. And how are you finding management? Obviously, you're playing as well. You're kind of still playing, but also learning your management craft. How, how are you finding the juggling of it all? Fully enjoying it every single day. Like I say, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to work with a great group of lads, a brilliant coaching staff, um, a fantastic uh, chairman and board. So, like I say, um, I, I turn up every day with a big smile on my face, enjoying every, every minute of it, you know, even setbacks. So, like I say, it's a really uh, good club, a uh, community-based club, um, and everyone's put in the right direction. I suppose the ultimate goal, though, is promotion, isn't it? Of course, yeah. You know, listen, we... We, we want to get the club back to the National League but ultimately it's, it's a big game on Saturday so that's our next game focus next session focus that's all we're, we're really concerned with and after tonight I suppose the chairman's going to buy you a drink hopefully uh, a protein <laughs> shake I think uh, it's a big derby on Saturday Carly Langstaff FA Cup hero uh, what a feeling <laughs> I've, I've, I've said there in that interview I said um, 
it's probably the best feeling I've ever had in a football pitch, you know, just just the occasion and we know what's at stake and Charlton in the next round and just I they fry and night, we plenty of fans there and just just, just to score that last minute winner, you know, it's an unbelievable feeling. You're just admiring your knee slide that's left a it's kind of your souvenir in the pitch, isn't it? I, you know, I, I do like a knee slide when I score and I, I was running towards the bench and I heard Luke Williams shouting, knee slide, knee slide, so I was far I was gonna do it. I didn't think I was gonna stop to be honest. Yeah. Do you know what the, the big thing tonight was? You couldn't tell the difference between the two sides, could you? The, uh, a division difference, you couldn't tell, could you? No, absolutely not. And I think over the, over the two legs, I think we've been mm. the better side. I, I think, but it's just a belief we have in our dressing room, that the, the quality of players we've got, and togetherness. I just think we came to this game. Obviously, we were away against a top side. These are a top side mm. play good football. I think we just came this game like absolutely full of belief that we can go and win, win the game. And I think that's shown on the pitch. I think we we're the better team. Um, and just yeah, just, just to win the game, it, it doesn't surprise anyone in there. Just before you win, you had a chance that you snatched that. I mean, did you think that was your chance that had gone? Um, not really. No, I know we're always going to create chances. So I always think, I always think, whether there's a minute in the game or twenty minutes in the game, I think I'm going to get another chance. Um, that one I snatched at. Yeah, maybe I should have had a touch, had a little bit more uh, time and space. Than I thought I did. Um, but you know, I, I scored a volley in the first half, so I thought, I thought, you know, if, if I go with a volley again yeah, yeah, yeah. and get it on target, it might go in. But um, yeah, I, I, I just move on from chances I miss, and uh, I was grateful to get another chance. And what's it like working under someone like Mike Willingson, who's played at the, the top level? You know, what, what's he like in there? He seems quite a calm head. Oh, very, very calm. Yeah, but he just he believes in everyone, and he, 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 he believes in the way he wants us to play. And you know, he's brilliant player for. Obviously, like you said, he's played at the top level. So when, when he tells us something, we listen because we know we know he's been there. Uh, he's just got he's got an unbelievable group of lads that working for an unbelievable manager, an unbelievable staff, and uh, just a good recipe for success. Brilliant. It's a good place to be at the minute, Gates, isn't it? You're in the, oh well, obviously aiming for the playoffs and to get promoted. Yeah, it is. Um, still got plenty of work to do, you know, it's a, it's a long season, but like I say, we have full belief that we've come to a side in the, in the league above and, and beat them, so I think we've just got to believe all season that we can beat anyone that's in front of us and uh, go and get promoted. Real cheers, nice Thank one, you, well done. You. And interestingly there, Mike Williamson mentioned about concentrating on the local derby and they took on Spennymore who are probably out of form so it's probably a good time to play Spennymore however it would have been a tough game but they came out with all three points in the end yeah they did um it's a very uncharacteristic run of form that that Spennymore in at the moment so as you say that it, it the, the brewery field uh, traditionally hasn't been the easiest of places to go I'm sure it wasn't easy yesterday but Gates had did come away with the points um adam campbell uh, put them ahead from uh greg ollie's fierce effort which he touched home after 40 minutes moors didn't help themselves they had joe tate sent off before half time for an alleged stamp on uh, gateshead goalkeeper jacob chapman so they were down to 10 men for the second half they did manage to equalize on 70 minutes through scott mclean but the heat weren't to be denied um they have chris Mason, uh, who's come out of retirement, I think that's a measure of perhaps um, a little bit of the issue that they've got at Spennymore at the moment, which is a lack of depth in the squad. Chris Mason is a, is a club legend for them. He's he's returned to their playing squad, but he lost possession to Dan Ward, who teed at Paul Blackett for the winner. And yeah, uh, Spennymore only one point in the last six matches now. And as I mentioned, so two surprise packages really. Um, Curzon. Uh, are in sixth, as we mentioned, they got that nil-nil draw at Brackley. And in seventh are Leamington, who lost last week, but they got a good draw against Southport. Yeah, they did. Um, I would think, I'll be honest, I would think there's probably a little bit of disappointment um, in the Leamington camp that they didn't take all three points from this one. But Southport are a team on the rise. This was a fifth 
match in a row unbeaten for Liam Watson's team. Um, and it was Marcus Carver who earned their point yesterday. They'd gone behind to a goal from Devon Kelly Evans for the breaks. That was his second goal of the season. But Carver level 10 minutes before the interval. Um, that means that Lamington drop a place to seventh. Southport in 17th. But as I say, they're on that. They're on that good run at the moment. They've got upward momentum, which, you know, when you're at the bottom of the table is all important. They're moving in the right direction while there are a lot of other teams around them are going in the opposite direction. Yeah, one team who has moved in the right direction of Blythe, they got rid of Michael Nelson during the week and it saw an immediate upturn in form. It was a big, is it too early to say six-pointer, Dickie? It was a big six-pointer against Geisley in the end. Geisley dropping to the bottom two. Uh, Blythe go up to 19th, originally having started the weekend in bottom spot. They're now up to 19th. Um, I think perhaps when we looked at uh, things at the end of the season, it, it might be one that we judged to have been a, a very significant result. It's difficult to overlook the significance of this result for, for Blythe. They, it was their first win in 12 matches and indeed their first points that they've collected in nine. They've been on an absolutely horrendous run. As you say, that that cost Michael Nelson um, his his job as manager at Blythe in midweek, which was perhaps a bit of a surprise. They They have... Um, invited applications uh, for his post. So they don't immediately seem to have anybody else lined up for the role. Um, I think his departure was um, pretty much nailed on following their tuna loss at Hereford in midweek. Um, But yeah, they got all three points yesterday. Sean Reid's 61st minute goal settled it. But it, it, it had taken an Alex Mitchell penalty save from Jordan Thewlis just before that one to keep the game at nil-nil. So, um, you know, Mitchell's as, as much a part of that victory um, for Blythe Spartans yesterday as Reed was. Jordan Thewlis, I mean, he'll be uh, with the situation that Geisley in. You can't be affording uh, to, to turn down opportunities like that from the penalty spot. They dropped to 21st. They're level um, at the bottom of the table on points with Telford, but it's a slightly superior goal difference that has them um, ahead of the last place. Yeah, Gloucester moved out of that bottom too as well. They got a good draw at Darlington in the end as well. So uh, a vital weekend for Blythe and, and Gloucester. Yeah, very much so. Um, Gloucester, um, they're getting goals from Ollie Hulbert, who's joined them online from Bristol Rovers a couple of weeks ago. He scored both of their goals in their victory last week over Farsley Celtic, and he got both of them again yesterday. Followed in the opener after 46 minutes, added the same with the header after 54 minutes. One of his own teammates, Ben Gering, then reduced the deficit by heading into his own net from a Jake Lawler cross with 20 minutes left to give Darlington some hope. And then Jack Lambert set up Alex Pervert a side foot home, the equaliser. So Darlington up to 11th on the stroke of the, on the, the basis of that point. Gloucester rise the place to 20th, but as you say, well, they, they feel as if they're getting a little bit of upward momentum there at Gloucester. They had a win last week, a, a good away point this weekend. So they're starting to get some upward momentum as well. Yeah, a lot of the, uh, we're going to look at a lot of the midfield runners now. York, another disappointing day for them. They lost at home to Kettering. That's seven defeats now for the season for York, who, as we know, have appointed John Askey now as manager until the end of the season. It didn't start well for him. No, it didn't. It wasn't the, the start he would have wanted in, in his first home game as York City manager. Interesting subtext to this one. Both of the managers in John Askey and Paul Cox were both people who were linked with the Telford job a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, this was 12th against 15th going into the day um, and York stay in 12th on the, on the basis of losing 2-1 at home to Kettering. All the scoring in the first half hour 
Connor Kennedy, the poppy skipper, capitalised on an error to score after five minutes. Jerry McDonough, who's on loan to them from Halifax Town, added the second. Sean Newton pulled a goal back from the penalty spot in the 27th minute. But yeah, Askey's team weren't able to do any more than that. And that's a really good win for Paul Cox's side. Yeah, and it's another team in form. We were moving up the table at uh, uh, Hereford. That's uh, four wins on the spin now for them after they beat Chester. Yeah, four wins in a row, their fourth win in November. So with the form that they're in, you, you'd think that Josh Gowling is in with a, a really good shout of being the November manager of the month. Their bulls are, are like loose. They're loose in a china shop at the moment. They're, they're doing terrifically well. Luke Haynes, 72nd minute goal, sealed their victory. Um, but once again, it's Chester's inconsistency. You know, they, they dropped to 15th in the table. It's certainly not where Chester fans imagined they would be, I'm sure. Um, and they're up level on points now with Hereford. I think that Hereford's 12 points has propelled them safely away from the bottom, and they're another one of those sides that, that have got that upward momentum that's all important. Yeah, and a local derby between Farsley and Bradford Park, and you again, two teams who are maybe looking over the shoulder slightly, Bradford more so than Farsley, but it was Farsley who came out the right side of this in probably what is almost a Bradford derby, isn't it? It is, yeah. There's not that much distance between those two teams. It's certainly, a, a, I classed it as a West Yorkshire derby and my notes have gotten in here. Um, a significant day for Neil Ross as the manager of Farsley Celtic. It's his first win in charge of them. Um, it was 18th against 17th going into the day, but Celtic rise a couple of points off the back of Will Hayhurst's penalty um, put away in the closing stages of the first half and that ultimately proved to be enough for them. Yeah, that is it. Um, thank you very much, Dickie. You're very welcome, Luke. Always good to speak to you. And don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at NL Full Time. It's the same on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe to us as well. Until then, we'll see you all very soon. 